0: Welcome back. It's so good to have you with me today. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you for popping on this podcast while you're walking, driving, you know, cooking or avoiding your kids, whatever it is. I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm so thankful that you would have me in your ears while you run away from your children. That's really it, it really hits home for me. <laughs> so thank you. Now, I'm so excited today because I am joined by Odette Barry. Odette is a publicist, PR mentor, and founder of Odette & Co., which is a micro PR agency based out of Byron Bay. Tough place to live. You know, it's really sunny up there. It sounds really nice. It sounds like a good time to be up there at this point. Now, what I love about Odette is that she helps small business owners, just like you, to DIY your PR. Typically, outsourcing your PR, working with a PR agency is expensive. It is not cheap. So what Odette has done is she's created the Hack Your Own PR program. And let me tell you, it is full of so many practical skills that you'll use, not just for the next 12 months or the next few months, it's actually skills that you'll use for life. So I'm really glad that Odette could join me today and join us today as she shares some practical strategies around PR. She also shares a part of her beautiful journey in business, and I know that you're going to be inspired and encouraged, and I'm just really glad that you're here, and I'm really glad that we get to talk all things PR because... I think we can all get better at putting ourselves out there and getting a bit more media coverage so let's not waste any more time with my rambling let's dive straight in this is my conversation with odette barry thank you so much for joining us odette i'm so excited to have you on the show to talk all things pr and how to diy your own pr so Let's dive in. Tell me about your business. Tell me about Odette & Co and what you do and how you started and all of the
1: things. All of the things. <laughs> well, yes. thank you so much for having me. And um, as I mentioned before, thanks for dealing with all of the tech fluffs with trying to make this happen. <laughs> I think um, the universe was like, are you sure you're sure you're sure you're sure? You're sure? I know. we we'll be almost... <laughs>
0: We yeah we almost didn't hit record and that was my that was my fault. <laughs> so it's good we're meant to be here. I feel like it's fifth times a be. charm. It's good.
1: <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> so where did I begin? Um, oh my gosh, such a big question. Where did I begin? Well, I guess like rewinding to the sort of beginning of the business. Um, I moved to Byron Bay. Five, six years ago um, and before we moved here and um, moved from Melbourne and my husband was like oh I don't know how you're gonna go living in a regional town you're so career oriented it's gonna be really limited opportunities for you and I just knew in my heart that I really really wanted to be living in a regional area and being out of the hustle and bustle um, so I was just like it'll work out, don't worry about it. (laughs) But also (laughs) I have like this like uncanny knack of not being able to project emotions into the future. So whether or not I thought it was actually a good idea, it felt good at the time. Um, And I'm glad that I was (laughs) blindly confident that it would be great and amazing because it has been great and amazing. But yeah, when we arrived here, there weren't an awful lot of jobs to (laughs) pick from. Yeah, like, picked up a little bit of local work but kind of just put the word out there that I was freelancing and really quite by accident the freelancing snowballed into an agency, um, the agency snowballed into not an agency <laughs> and yeah, I kind of like at the beginning of last year really reflected on what I wanted to do um, and, and started – writing a little program, teaching small business owners how to do PR. And and that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And it's so,
0: it's so cool. I love, you know, everything I'm about in my business is helping businesses DIY their marketing. And so when I met you, I think I booked a call with you and it was purely to be like, I don't know what the heck to do with PR. <laughs> and then I feel like we ended up, it was like, life is crazy. It was the middle of COVID-19, we kind of both ended up just being like, woof <laughs> this is a year. And, you know, it was just so nice for me. I was like, oh, this is just so good because, you know, I love working with people and, and I love seeing other businesses that are about empowering people to do it themselves. Because a lot of the time in small business, you don't have the budget to outsource to an agency and you don't have, you don't really know where to spend your money first. So I love that what you're doing is you're teaching this skill that you've honed over years of experience and you're getting some incredible results from your students as well. And it's it's so cool to (laughs) see that. So well done. I'm so I love seeing all of your like everything you're doing with the Hack Your Own PR program is incredible. And you've done such a good job. And before I ask you any more questions, we were talking about 2019, 2020, and now 2021. Can you talk me through what 2019 was like and, and how that helped you in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic? What was that journey like for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, firstly, thank you so much for your kind words. And I love ha- I love having connected with you and, and seeing what you're doing and the advice you're sharing. And I think you know, small business owners really do have a tough ride in the in the early days, and not being super cashed up and being able to like pay for service providers to do all of the things. Um, so, I love you know being in the space of being able to empower people to implement things that would otherwise be extraordinarily expensive to do. Particularly working with PRs, it's so out of the financial budgets of most startups. But, yeah, for me, 2019 was pretty tough. 2018 was pretty tricky as well. I So I had um, started hiring um, in my agency. I ended up with about five staff. Um, we had a beautiful little office in Byron uh, next to the pool, very, very glam-looking little agency. It was very cute. Uh, we had, like, all of the things happening but – it was so hard. I'm just like not a um, details-oriented ma- human manager. Like I love humans and I love talking to humans and 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 touching and feeling all of the like breadth of what our human existence is, so much so that I do talk a lot of shit all day at work. So that's a very expensive <laughs> hobby but um, in running the agency – One of the things I didn't really know how to do was pricing. Having come from corporate communications and being in-house, I had never actually worked in an agency prior to starting my own. So I didn't really know or understand budgets and margins of staff on retainers. So that was like a real no man's land on slippage and how much fat you actually need to have in a budget in order to make it like commercially viable. But on top of that, a lot of my staff went through some pretty monumental personal um, leaps themselves. We had, um, you know, family members with cancer diagnosis. We had one of the girls was doing um, IVF on her own and having some really, really challenging times throughout. One of the other girls had just broken up with her partner of 10 years. And so... Every team whip was like holding everyone together, like really trying to create space for people to journey (laughs) through their life challenges and that was really, really taxing because you kind of can't tell someone to just like get on with it and do their work when they're going through those sort of like seismic shifts in their life. So that was kind of one side of the equation – And on the other side, I had two major clients, uh, one go into receivership and the other one uh, just really, really late on some financial payments. And... Together, that was kind of the perfect storm of stress, worry, are my people going to be okay? Am I going to be able to pay them next week? Like it really, really built up for me and it got to the point where I was just not sure whether I was going to be able to pay staff the following week, but also staff just not being able to deliver and I was having to run around spend some pretty long nights uh, getting all of our work done and I just got to the point where I decided that it wasn't worth it um, and I closed my agency down and in doing that there was so much ego involved (laughs) there was a lot of financial strain involved in that as well but also just complete and utter burnout. Like I was exhausted from trying to hold all of the balls in the air for so long that I kind of – I reached out to a whole bunch of my friends within my business community and I said to them, does anyone need some help working with your hands? I don't want to get paid. I just need something to do to keep me distracted, to keep me away from my computer – And I helped my friend clean her ceramic studio. I helped another friend make dog food and do dog food deliveries around Byron Bay, which was just (laughs) dreamy. And I spent like a good couple of months just like standing on my feet and doing things physically and not being involved with my work. And I honestly at that point was like, I don't even know if I want to go back into communications. I just... I don't know if that brings me joy anymore.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: Quite by really just like an experimental, non-thinky, non-strategic thing. (laughs) I just kind of started writing the framework for the Hack Your Own PR program and initially I put together a little freebie just kind of put it out there, does anyone want to do a seven-day free PR Kickstarter, like learn the basics, and I think just over 600 people signed up to it.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's (laughs) insane. And I was like, shit, I better
1: write this thing, not just the headlines. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was just what I needed. It was just the kicker I needed to go hey, there's this thing I do that I can do that people like and there's another way to do it. And so, yeah, I started running that program in 2019. Um, I've since run it, uh, I think I'm up to about 14 programs now. Yeah, and like all quite by accident. But the thing that is really special about it is that it is – Whilst it is not the cheapest thing on the shelf, it's very, very cheap by comparison to working with a publicist or you know having your PR outsourced. And so it puts the ha- the power into the hands of the people with really, really cool stories that are often not able to get their stories out there. So there's been some really amazing startups that like, there's just no way they would get media coverage, you know, otherwise. And they've been able to, you know, time and time again, secure coverage on Sunrise or The Project or, you know, a- across the Sydney Morning Herald and, you know, this kind of coverage is pretty unheard of for startups without a publicist working on their behalf. So, it's it's pretty special that these people now have that skill forever, not just for that campaign.
0: I love that. And I love that you, you are giving them this, it's such a sustainable way to approach your business, right? Because you're learning a skill and it's one that you'll use forever, you know? And also being able to communicate, to share your story, to be able to pitch your ideas. Those are skills that you use one-on-one with, with a client or a customer. Like it's not just applying to getting media coverage. I love that you're teaching people all these really great skills that otherwise they'd, you know, not be able to use. So,
1: totally. that's incredible. And what, yeah. And on that stories thing, one of the things that I, you know, I don't have listed on the like sales page is because I just, it it, it has only emerged over the last 12 months that this is this really unintended benefit that comes from the program, But so many people tell me that the program has been a complete and utter reprogramming of how they think about their business because they have to understand what their story is and so many people don't even realise they don't know what their story is before they come into the program Um, and what they take from it is so much more than a skill for PR. It truly is deeply understanding who they are in their business what they stand for and who they can connect with and that serves absolutely everything like you say it makes your marketing better it makes your sales conversations better it makes your in-person conversations better and it gives you this great confidence in your business in any which way so that's been a real surprising treat for me and like I've had so many people in those like tearful breakthroughs on the programs which is it's pretty special
0: that's amazing i love that and for you like after experiencing burnout what has been has that kind of shifted your the way that you run your business or has that shifted your mindset about success in business
1: Hugely, hugely. You know, what's really funny, like um, just coming back to that ego point and even like how this, you know, having burnout affected me, it taught me um, so many different things. But Just like what the ego you attach to yourself as a business owner, like that you've got this little thing going on and like one of the things I love most about being in business is all my business pals and like we've got a group up here in Byron called the Byron Business Babes and whilst 2020's definitely challenged our regular catch-ups, I remember thinking you know, when I was going through that burnout phase, if I got a job stacking shelves at IGA, would I still be allowed to go to BBB? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still, I'm still a buyer in business, babe. Like, (laughs) but that's amazing. In terms of like, um, how I run my business and define success, for me, less is definitely more from experiencing that burnout. And I've kind of got a very structured idea of how much is enough in my view. Like I'm not chasing that like scalable business model where, you know, more is more. For me, like the definition of success is that I've got heaps of time for rest. I've got heaps of time for my family that I, you know, work as much as I desire, not as much as I have to.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And so, you know, I feel like we, we often learn a lot from the mistakes we've made. And and I love your story of, you know, pursuing this agency model and then realizing, oh my gosh, this isn't, this doesn't fit me, you know, and, and I feel like I've, I've done that same kind of journey in myself of going, actually, I don't, uh, we could make this huge and I could hire all these people all these marketing people but I I kind of am like no I'd rather I'd rather keep it boutique and bespoke but still be able to impact as many people as possible but what do you think are the things I feel like we often learn from the things that we we do wrong or the the, the things the learnings maybe that's what we should call them or I call them the missteps but what are those steps that you've taken? That have helped you grow Odette and Co. And what are the some of some of the things that you think if I didn't get that wrong, my business wouldn't be where it is today?
1: Yeah, oh my God. Like how much time have we got? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I definitely think like knowing your numbers is such a important part of business. And I will be the first person to admit that I get hella maths anxiety. Like I'm strategically very good. I understand how the puzzle fits together. But if I have to apply numbers to a concept, I immediately – like my brain blanks out. It absolutely disappears um, and I just have this like childhood – failure, complex, my mum's a school teacher and it's her greatest disappointment (laughs) that I'm awful at maths. Um, (laughs) But so that has been a real block for me and I just would really disengage in even trying to make sense of any numbers within my business and I'd just be like, well, if there's money in the bank account, that's fine. And like often you can't see that you're out of sync with your finances when there's cash there and you just sort of pay what you need to. But, yeah, I would definitely say that if I hadn't been really horrible with, like, you know, checking into my numbers, then I may have been able to sustain um, my agency model for longer or perhaps still run it, but I wouldn't know the freedom I know now. I would be in that agency model still, and I'm not sure that I would perhaps – have the joy that I have now. um, Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have forced me to be innovative and come up with something different. And the funniest thing is that my bookkeeper has said to me all year, I don't understand that you have the same amount of income coming into your business, but you don't have any staff anymore. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different now. (laughs) That is
0: incredible. And I just think there's such an allure to like more is more and like we've got to hire all these people and we've got to have this epic studio office and things. And I think COVID just blew all of that out of the water. Like it's just like, no, what you do can it, absolutely What are you actually work born in home. life? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like what do you actually care about and, and who are the people that you care about? Not just like I, I just feel like it was this great – Way to sift all of these things that we we do and we all these behaviors that we have that we don't even realize. Oh gosh, I don't even care about that, and that's of no value to me. Or yeah, I just think there's totally. so much, so much good that has come out of obviously a, such a tough time and such a such a brutal thing to happen with the with COVID. But I think there's been also a lot of good that's come out, you know, in in your business and and I think for so many businesses there's been this thing of, oh, if if COVID didn't happen, I wouldn't have launched this course or I wouldn't have gone online or I would still be meeting my clients face-to-face and be, you know, all of this stuff. I think there's so many little wins that have come out of it, which has been really cool to see as well.
1: Totally. And even for me, like, you know, it's as though 2019 was there. It's more 2018 in complete fairness, but was there to set me up for the pandemic. Like, if I had a still been running a full-blown agency, a full suite of services, I would have had to let staff go through COVID. We would have, like, not been able to maintain that momentum. But instead, I was on, like, the leanest operating model ever, and yes, initially when COVID hit, like I was very exposed. A lot of my clients on the programs were in events, tourism, retail, you know, like they had um, exposed physical presence. But within three weeks, I had three times the amount of work that I've ever had. And my programs have sold solidly because they're a very recession-proof option, like to teach yourself a skill instead of outsourcing. That's what we kind I of love have to do. Yeah,
0: I love that idea of it being recession-proof. That's so, so cool. Oh, you're full of you're full of wisdom in one line. Is also <laughs> math math's anxiety. One hundred percent get that. I look at a spreadsheet and I'm like. Ah. This is making me feel stressed, like I'm going to play with the colours and the fonts (laughs) and make it look nice, but I'm not going to do any of the things that are needed. So I totally relate to that.
1: (laughs) The best thing I did was getting a bookkeeper that's like just so no bullshit and so on my case and who shows me the numbers that matter and she writes in language what the numbers mean. So this one's up, this one's down. This is what this means. You've obviously done something right there. Don't know what's happening here. Can you explain? And so like for me, having that dummies version of how to interpret the books has been such such a gift to have her as part of my business.
0: That is so cool. And I'm a huge believer in when it comes to the money stuff, I think it's too important to try to, you know, as much as I love DIY. I think the finance side of things is where you really need experts in your corner because it is kind of the engine room of your business. And if, if you've got cash flow problems, then it just means that you're stressed. It means you take on the wrong projects. It means you don't have the freedom to actually spend time in marketing or time in PR and, and or like upskilling in these areas. So I think the finance side for anyone starting out. get some help
1: because the money thing is
0: too important.
1: (laughs) Totally. And some people are amazing with numbers so they don't need to. Like there's some people that like absolutely just intuitively get numbers and God, I wish I was one of you. Um, oh my gosh, but, same. you know, for, for anyone that does feel a little unsure or on shaky ground with your, like, um, number side of the business, like, get a bookkeeper. You don't necessarily have to, like, you know, work with some really high-level exec <laughs> CMO, um, but just, like, chat with someone who can, like, make sense of, like, what your margins should look like in your sort of business
0: so good. So your big your big thing is knowing your numbers. That's the big big thing that you feel like you've learned. Do you have another any other big pieces of advice that you wish you knew when you started Odette and Co?
1: Well, I mean, this is like this is going to sound really like silly, <laughs> but in the program at year that I ran, I said to everyone on the program, "Oh, it's been a while since I've done some PR. I might go through the steps with you. um, And I made a commitment to – walk week by week with everyone. And so like one of the, you know, week one, we work on our media plan and identify where we want to go. Week two, we start working on our angles and like then further down the program, we start pitching. Um, So with everyone, I um, identified five outlets that I wanted to pitch to. I wrote my pitches with them. I wrote my angles with them. And then I sent my pitches off with them. And I got five pieces of coverage that came out of that. And I was like, shit, oh God, I have to actually show up and do the things. And so I, it sounds really silly, but like doing that work totally transformed my business. Like, you know, in the last few months, things have gone absolutely gangbusters and like the only thing I've done differently that I haven't done before is really um, invest in my own PR so (laughs) I'm just like wear your bead mate do the work
0: (laughs) (laughs) I totally relate to that it's like oh you know me telling people you need to post on social media like you need to try to show up every day and then there's a two-week break where I don't do anything and then I'm like oh my I'm being that person like you know I'm just do what I say not what I do
1: the plumber with <laughs> it's the leaves. Totally taps like
0: exactly exactly What do Gucci and the North Face have in common? It's not that they go on many adventures, although anyone who wears a North Face jacket definitely goes on adventures. The thing these two brands have in common is that they have collaborated for a highly successful marketing campaign. Collaborative marketing is up to 25 times less expensive than digital advertising. So it's safe to say that if you do it right, you can see incredible results and save a lot of money. But there's a catch. (laughs) In order to get those results, you definitely need to know what you're doing. And that's where Collabosaurus comes in. They have just launched the Partnerships Masterclass, where they teach you everything you need to confidently build successful partnerships. In this eight-week course, you get personalized mentoring that covers everything from identifying partners and contacts through to marketing ideas, pitching, negotiating, campaign planning, and ROI tracking. Now, if you want to secure your spot in this eight-week partnerships masterclass, or if you just want to learn a little more, head on over to the link in our show notes. Now, back to the episode. So... I really wanna dive into some practical PR advice for people in small business because I know you have so many good tips and strategies to share. So let's start. PR, so PR to me (laughs) as (laughs) someone kind of on the outside, right? PR feels like a bit of a mystery to me. So before we get into the practical tips, what do you actually see as the main purpose of PR? Mm,
1: trust and reputation like I think you know there's lots of different mechanisms that we can reach new audiences that we can communicate with people and sell the thing that we do but there's not a lot of um, platforms that we can use that really fast track what people think in their heart of hearts about us whilst we can like put out content that that's really high caliber across our social media and definitely nurture a relationship with people. If you need the know you, like you, trust you factor when it comes to financial exchange with your customers, so generally a high value product or something that might be unknown or confusing to people, nothing I don't think transforms how people think and feel about us like PR. So if you want to become known as the expert in your space, or if you want people to see that this thing is extremely high quality and better than others, PR is definitely a very, very good space for that.
0: So cool. I love that. And I love that it's about, it also complements what you're doing in, in your marketing as well.
1: I love that. Yeah, and on that I would say do not do PR if you are not really investing in your marketing as well. You need to have excellent social media, a beautiful website, a really robust brand. You need to have all of your digital shopfront or your physical shopfront shop if that's if you're a physical thing. Um, you need to have that all buttoned up before you get to PR. So I generally say to people three to five year mark is generally a really good time to do PR or if you are really squeaky clean and robust at launch in that startup phase. I
0: love that because one of my questions for you was gonna be how does a PR strategy work in with your marketing strategy? Because a lot of our people are, you know because i teach people all about online marketing a lot of them have a bit of momentum there but that's a really good point on the time frame of it because i think when people are in startup phase they're thinking i've got to build you know a $20,000 website release. i've got to get this media you know i've got to outsource to a pr agency i've got to do all this stuff and and actually lean is lean is great for when you're in that startup phase and so That's a really good point that that maybe it's when you're a little more established in your brand to start looking at PR.
1: Well, one of the things that like I always think about with PR is that like journalists and editors are going to come and stalk you. They're going to get a really good sense check on who you are and whether you are a credible person before they're going to put their name to what you're doing. So it's really important that your digital footprint demonstrates that you are the bee's knees, that you do know what you're talking about, that your product is pretty special because they're going to see pretty quickly if they do a quick Google of you and there's terrible reviews on Google or, you know, very unhappy complaints on Facebook reviews. So, there's not really any hiding if you're not ready. So, Yeah, one of the best ways to get a good sense check on whether you feel you're ready is that you've kind of like done the road bumps version of your business. You've gone through a few iterations of your thing and you finally feel like you're really like hitting your stride. When you're ready, you feel like you're hitting your stride. That's when I would say that's when you're ready to like turn up the temperature, turn up the volume and really like tap into PR.
0: I love that. That's that's so, so helpful. And so a, a big part of, of what you do in PR is you're helping people to really tell their story and make it compelling. So what do you think is the most important thing people need to get right in their story in order to get PR features and media coverage?
1: I guess there's probably a couple of layers to this. So one is get out of your bumhole. and sorry for being so crude, but <laughs> a lot of us like, can be (laughs) a little bit like um, ill-informed when we think we're pretty special. Like in business, like I do see this where people think they're doing something really special, something really different. Um, There's no one else in my category doing what I'm doing. Um, And the reality is that sometimes we're not special, amazing, sparkly unicorns like our mum tells us that we are. So, um, I do think doing a little bit of a sense check to get get an understanding on whether you are really doing something different. And if you're not doing something really different and there are other people in your category, that's absolutely fine. But just don't go out and say that you're like the first person, the only person in the category because people (laughs) do their research. So, If you are not necessarily the first person in your domain, then I would be like leveling into why you do what you do and perhaps your personal story of inspiration and that that moment that taught you you needed to do what you do can be a really beautiful, interesting story or perhaps it's about your values. But a lot of the stuff that media will be looking at when they're looking at whether something's interesting are you know, like, where's the emotive part of this story? What's going to make people think really deeply about this thing or feel something? Does it going to make them really happy, joyful, or sad, or excited? Like, what is the emotion this story is going to spark? And that's what we really want to try and embed in the DNA of what we do with storytelling in PR. So, if you're not um, going to leverage being the first to market or the most innovative or use your why story, then a lot of it will come down to how can you make your story timely to something that's happening in market. So, the news generally has to follow what's new. (laughs) That's what bit of a hint in the name. (laughs) But so, if you're not new first to market or doing something really emotive, then you need to be relevant to today, not yesterday. So, in that case, then we look at how we can leverage our story around a certain date. So, your product might be perfect for a gift guide for Mother's Day. So then that's the story that you're going to market with at that point in time, or it might be that it's perfect for tax time or for spring season. There's lots of different times of the year that the media follows a particular news cycle. So if you don't have that groundbreaking, emotive, innovative, new story, then make it relevant to what's happening that day.
0: I love that. That's so helpful because I do think a lot of the time, you know, we kind of can feel like, oh, what I'm doing isn't that different. It's a service that like a lot of people provide. How could I make a story out of this if it's not anything new or you know new or
1: exciting (laughs) so that's really cool but also in that like if you're not the most exciting amazing wonderful sparkling unicorn and you've like got your emotional intelligence in check on yourself (laughs) um (laughs) Sometimes that humble pie can get in the way of you putting yourself out there. Um, but one one thing that I think is useful to know is that like between 50 and 80% of headlines are pitched by people putting themselves in front of an outlet rather than the outlet just going, ooh, here's Laura. Gosh, what's this Laura doing? Let's write a story <laughs> about Laura. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. it's often we're like, oh God, that person's so amazing. Look, they're in the paper. And it's like, yeah, that person hustled and haggled for like eight months to make that happen. It didn't just like the spotlight fall upon them. So sometimes just knowing that like, if you just put yourself out there and hustle a little, you're going to get some pretty cool outcomes. That's
0: so good. So On the DIY front, so if someone wants to kind of start pitching to media on some level, what are the biggest mistakes you see small business owners make when it comes to DIY PR?
1: Well, not getting out of their bottom is one of the mistakes. Um, The other thing is um, their pitch sucks. Other things are that they give up before they should And the other is just like being very features led rather than story led. So coming back to them and hopefully I'll remember all of those things. But like um, being, you know, being not aware of yourself and the fact that there's other people in your category really just means that the journalist has probably received 20 to 30 pitches that week on this topic by people in your space. So... Your stories are just not going to be interesting. There's no cut through there. If you're aware that there's lots of people in your category, then you are able to go, what's the thing that no one else in my category is doing? Or what's the thing that no one's talking about? And then you can get your foot in the door. So, being thoughtful and aware and knowing that most journos specialise in the domain that they write about. So, they talk to a lot of people in our niche, in our category, in our sector. So, understanding that they probably know a little bit more about our sector than we do is yes. it really good to come in yeah. and know so that you can level up and make sure you don't give like a basic entry-level pitch. One of the things I often say to people is if you can think of a story angle easily, it's probably been thought of before, so go harder. Like if you can just go, got an idea, I'm going to write about that, then um, level up and go <laughs> go in a little bit deeper People's pitches often are terrible. Uh, They just don't know what to include. Um, I always sort of try and teach people to think about a pitch as a love letter rather than it being a broadcast message. Like really think about the individual you're sending that pitch to. What do they write about? How often do they write? What are the topics they wrote about recently? Can you admire one of the articles they wrote recently as a way in to let them know that you're a big fan and they will know immediately that something's going to be a good fit because you are tuned in to what they're about. I think like I read a stat a couple of years ago that 75% of journalists say that only a quarter of the pitches they receive are relevant to the outlet they write for, which is pretty dire.
0: Wow, <laughs> so if you- that's
1: crazy. It's insane. So if you can just do the work and make sure you're sending the pitch to the right person, then you're ahead of like three quarters of the trash in their inbox. Giving up before they should. So people's inboxes are so busy in the media landscape. Like they I was talking to the ex-editor of Mumbrella last year and she was saying if she was on deadline, she would just not be in her inbox at all and she would come back an hour later on, be 100 emails deep and maybe on page two or three of her Gmail inbox and I was just like, oh, God, that just gives me such anxiety trying to think about having that many emails to wade through. But so... Knowing who you're sending to, what time that person is going to be in their inbox, but also being a familiar entity to them means that you're just so much more likely to get someone opening your email when it's there because they recognise your name because you've built some rapport with them. So, yeah, there's lots of mistakes that people make in terms of like just giving up after sending one pitch because actually – I would say most people that I work with probably win their stories on the follow-up email a week later, so don't give up. I always say to people to strap on their cloak of resilience before they dive into PR because – there's so much rejection and radio silence. (laughs) So you want to just like level up on feeling like, it's okay. I might get rejected today. I might get nothing, but it's okay. Something's going to come in due course. So yeah, I guess they're like probably the main mistakes.
0: That's yeah. That's so, so good. And, and one more question just on the practical side We talked a little bit before we start hit record about cold calling. And I just wanted you to share, like, what's your approach with cold calling for pitches and trying to get media?
1: Yes. So also, I should just break down the fact that pitches is like this media jargon that just means like emails and phone calls. Often people are like, "Oh, so where do I put my pitch? Do I put it in a machine?" I'm like, <laughs> I "Sorry, I shouldn't." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a pitch is just an email, Um, and then I always recommend to people to send a first pitch email. Wait one week, send a follow-up pitch email and if you still don't receive a reply two days after that second email, then pick up the phone. So like a lot of people, like I think I read a stat that 75%, all my stats are 75% but that actually I legit did look this up. (laughs) Uh, 75% of people experience glossophobia, which is basically a fear of public speaking and I think that really kicks into gear with cold calling but honestly... So many of the stories that I've won as a publicist have come off the back of cold calling because I think we were talking about before is that like when you reach out and you want to book a publicist and you're like, hey, so how much are your retainers? And a lot of people don't ask, who do you know? that you would pitch this story or my product to. Um, and and if anyone is like deciding to go down the avenue of booking a publicist, I would say to them, do ask that question. Like which journalists do you think would be interested in this? Because a lot of PRs might have about a third of their campaign mapped out in their head when they're picking up a client. And that's like pretty good. Like, you know, they might have 10 journalists that they know would be interested in the story. And then the other like two thirds of the program will come from them cold calling people. And that's why I think, that's why I love teaching PR because I know I can teach skills that people can do because I have to figure it out often myself. So if you can um, build your confidence to do a little cold calling, you'll definitely have some magic ahead of you. But I always try and think about um, cold calling as like the 90-10 split. So 90% of the call is you're just ringing a stranger to get to know them, to find out more about what they do. So if I'm cold calling, I'm I'm ringing them up saying, hey, Laura, um, listened to your podcast the other day, loved that episode about blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there was a couple of key points in that podcast that like really changed my thinking. You know, like you're coming in and letting that person know that you know what they're about and then spend some time saying like, so what's your recording schedule? How often are you publishing these days? Oh, I saw that you chatted to that other person. Yeah, did like what was that like? I've heard they're a bit awkward and weird. That's not (laughs) me. But like, you know, like spending that time keeping it conversational and building rapport and then towards the end of the call just saying, hey, I was wondering if you just have a second. I wanted to run an idea past you. Are you open to having a chat? And then threading some of the findings. Oh, yeah, you know how you talk to two X, Y, Z. It's actually kind of similar but a little bit different because blah, 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 blah. And sort of sharing your pitch in this really – natural conversational way it's not about being like now I want to share with you three bullet points that I have researched you know totally keep it real they're humans but I think that kind of takes the edge off the fear that we often feel about cold calling that you're just like hey and also by the time you're picking up the phone in my book of PR you've been stalking them for like three to five weeks online You've read every article, listened to every podcast that they've produced, you've watched the show, and you've been commenting and liking all of their stuff on social media. You're already a familiar entity. When you pick up that phone and chat with them, you, it's kind of like picking up the phone to talk to a pal. So
0: it I just really
1: that. is, yeah, it's all about the romance. That's so, so good. You are full of so much
0: wisdom. I feel like we could talk for so long about all these tips and I- so many things I'm like oh my gosh I need to do that but so for someone listening for anyone listening who is like okay I want to get started I feel like my business is ready to start kicking into more PR and and getting some more media coverage how do they go about like getting your program how do they go
1: about working with you oh well hi guys I'd love to have you (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if you're feeling ready to level up, like check out um, maybe even my podcast. Have a listen to a couple of episodes and and like – you know, get a sense of like what I'm about or you've just listened to this episode so you kind of know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up, Odette, just sell. <laughs> yeah, on my website, I have a contact. Uh, you can book in a 15-minute chat to have a chat about um, whether PR is a good fit for you. I think like it's really important for me to only have people sign up for the program that are going to be ready for PR. I don't want anyone to do it and not get really epic results so even if you're a startup who hasn't launched yet you're so welcome into the program but we need to talk and suss out like where things are headed if you are really established business and you're just so ready to sprinkle on that rocket fuel please hit me up by dm on instagram or book in a 15 minute chat i'm happy with whatever medium carrier pigeon is also fine Uh, But, yeah, jump over to my website, odetteandco.com.au forward slash hackyourmpr, and I'll send you the link. And, like, there's a really detailed overview of what's offered in the program, the guest speakers from Channel 7 and the project who join us throughout the program. And, yeah, ask me questions. Happy to chat. I love it. Thank you
0: so much, Odette, for being on the show. Final question for you. What is next for Odette and Co.? What's on the horizon? What have you got in the works?
1: Well, um, I've got two months of holidays, lol. Glorious. Um, Which is very, very exciting. But I've also um, currently underway with writing how to be a very good PR program because I've had so many publicists um, keen to join Hack Your Own PR, but it's very much for small business owners. So that's really fun and exciting and just um, planning out season two of my podcast
0: so exciting well you are a wizard and i'm so glad that you could join us today thank you so much for um all your wisdom you're you're so practical and helpful and real so it's really nice to um chat with you i always love our chats so thanks for hanging
1: thanks for having me
0: (laughs) so there you have it that is the play-by-play for this week how amazing is Odette? She just has such a cool take on PR and I love that what she's all about is helping small business owners to DIY their PR into upskill in this area of actually putting ourselves out there and sharing our unique story. I think it's really, really important. And I know that there would be so many pearls of wisdom that you would have got out of that episode. Now, if you're looking for any of the links we mentioned today, be sure to head on over to our show notes. We'll pop links in there for Odette's podcast, for her Hack Your Own PR program, and then also for her Instagram and all of the fun other things. Now, as always, if you want to continue the conversation or the party, head on over to our facebook group just search my business playbook i'll be in there to say hello so make sure you pop in and, and let us know where you're coming from it'd be great to meet you now music from this episode is by jake scott and you can listen to him on spotify and apple music as always thank you thank you thank you for listening to my business playbook i will catch you next week at the same time same place go get them